Welcome to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome today to our 40 Days of Freedom, third part in our series. I've got some great news for you, by the way, this morning, that next week is part four, but then in two weeks is part five, and our good friend Derek Smith from King's Church Bolton is going to be speaking the final part of our 40 Days of Freedom. How good is that? Anybody else excited about that? I am. I want to give you a huge welcome today, and I want to particularly give a shout out to all our Icon campuses today. All six of our campuses in Chesterfield, in Derby, in Sheffield, Stocksbridge, Rotherham, and of course online as well. This is part three, as I've said, of 40 Days of Freedom. And I've, uh, I've got an old Bible out today. It's a New American Standard Bible. And I want to read the most familiar Psalm, Psalm 23, from this Bible. It goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness or goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of verse 3 that the psalmist says that God restores my soul. And the title of the message today is this, the restoration we all need. In week one, we talked about the revelation we all need and that was the revelation that God is good. And then last week, David McEwen brought a great word around the rescue that we all need and the fact that we all need God to lift us from somewhere into a different and into a better place. Today, we're looking at this idea of the restoration we all need. And I believe that today is a pivotal day in our 40-day journey. It's almost like that we've come to a crossroads right now in week three. Today's the day, I guess, we decide, will we go on and take the journey to find freedom? Or will we just go back to what's familiar in our lives? Let's get started with this. In, two, in 2012, there was an old church in a small town called Boya in Spain. And in that church, there was a fresco. In fact, we've got a picture of it. And uh, the fresco uh, has a name and it's called Ese Homo, which means behold the man. And uh, it was a picture that was painted in the 1930s and As you can see from this picture, it was found to be in disrepair. And uh, this is what it looked like in 2012. And then a local amateur art restorer. Did you hear that? Yes. An amateur art restorer called Cecilia Jimenez decided that she would, you know, to bless the church, that she would take on this project of actually restoring the fresco. Well, here's what happened. Look at that. This picture shows the result of Cecilia's work. 
while the town was in uproar. You can imagine this 1930s painting that they thought was so good and so special for the church had been ruined. And in fact, this painting now has many nicknames and some of those nicknames I can't say here and none of them are very flattering. But an interesting thing has happened. This has now become a tourist attraction both to the church and to the town. So you can go to the town of Boyer in Spain and you can buy souvenirs, you can get mugs, you can get t-shirts, you can even buy special wine. You can get all kinds of souvenirs. It's eventually become an incredible boost to the local economy. It's this metaphor of art restoration that I think is a great way for us to get into our message today around the restoration we all need. You see, restoration and art restoration seeks to bring something back to its original intent or its original design. And when the Bible says that God restores our soul, that's exactly what the Bible is talking about. You and me coming back to that place that God originally designed and God originally purposed for us. There are other metaphors, but I don't think that they really work. Metaphors like detox or rehabilitation that we could think about. Uh, metaphors like cleansing. I definitely don't want to use cleansing today because I've heard cleansing's a bit smelly, so we'll leave that alone. There's the metaphor of decluttering, but I don't think they would be good metaphors for what I want to say today and what these verses in Psalm 23 say. No, I think restoration, art restoration is a great metaphor because God wants to bring us back to our original purpose and our original design. I think also this story is a fantastic picture for us. Jesus taught so often telling stories, but this is a great story for us because we need to take care who we allow to get involved in the process of restoration. You know, when the town first saw Cecilia's work, they wished they'd entrusted the restoration to somebody better qualified, somebody who wasn't an amateur. She was an amateur and she really wasn't up to that job. And I have to say that so many of us get people involved in our lives to help us and to restore us. And we listen to some voices that want to help us, but frankly, they're not up to the job. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, wrote in a book called Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He says this, You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand for us to do. If you and I are God's masterpiece, then the only person who can bring us back to that original place is God himself. Psalm 23 and the beginning of verse 3, as we've said, says that God restores us. He restores our soul. And it's telling us that it's God who does this. And the word in the Hebrew for restore is exactly this. It means to return. This word is used in so many ways. It's used all over the Old Testament. It's a, it's a Hebrew word and it's called shib. And it's, it's used so many times. But most powerfully it's used with this idea to bring something back, to recall, to rebuild, to recover, to refresh, to return. And I believe that that's what God wants for our souls today. That God wants our souls to be restored to the in, original freedom and the original intent he had for them. You see, God doesn't want to leave our souls wounded. He doesn't want us to leave our souls hurt and broken. He actually wants to restore our soul. 
And when the scriptures speak about God restoring us, we need to remember that, that our soul means our life, our essence, the very nature of who we are, the real you and the real me, that distinct identity. And that's what God wants to restore, his original design for whoever you are and whoever I am. And he's the only one who can do it because we are God's mastership masterpiece and I'm so pleased today to know this that God is no amateur restorer no God is no amateur he's completely up for the job you see God's got this because your soul my soul is a direct result of God breathing life into us the soul if you like the essence of who we are is the divine spark it's the divine image that is put within each and every human being at conception and during fetal development, God shapes us uniquely in his image. He knows us, the Bible says, before we're even conceived, before we're in our uh, mother's womb. And so in that, in that process of growing from conception to birth, God shapes us uniquely in his image. The soul, our essence, is that divine imprint in each of us where we carry the image of God. And it's this that God wants to restore today. When David says, God restores my soul, this is what he's conveying. God bringing us back to the original design and God's original intent for each of us. You see, to restore us, this is where God begins. He begins with our soul. In 3 John and verse 2, the apostle John writes this. He's writing to a friend called Gaius and he says to him, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Another translation says, I pray that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You see, it's the soul where God begins his work. It's the soul that's God's starting point. Health for you and me, well-being for you and me comes from the inside out. Prosperity comes from the inside out. So often we think it comes from external circumstances, from outside in. You know, we say, if only I had these circumstances or if only I was married to that person or if only I had that job. And we look at these external circumstances, but no, the scriptures are clear. And Jesus is clear that health, life, freedom, peace comes from the inside out. You know, I've limited experience actually personally of going to the gym I know some of you, some of you on this stream today, you're at the gym all the time and I admire you. But some of the work when I've been to the gym that they've wanted to do and that is, is work on the core. You know, you, it's the inner muscles. It's the inner central core of your being. And you can't see them, but you know, a gym instructor will know whether they're strong or whether they're weak. And you do these exercises and you think they're not building any of these external muscles but you know that core affects everything. And that's why God begins with your soul. And that's why God begins with my soul. His vision is clear. He wants the best for us. And to ensure we receive all that he has for us, he refreshes and he restores our souls. Anybody up for that today? I believe that in this Psalm, Psalm 23, David gives us some guidance how we can respond to God in this process of restoration. I believe there are three things that are revealed here that actually we need to do. And my prayer today is that God would indeed restore our souls 
that God would bring my soul, who I am, right back to his original design and his original intent that he had for me. And that God would do that very same thing for you. And that God would do that very same thing for all of us in Jesus' name. Anybody agree? So let me share these three things with you. Here's the first thing. We must recognize the need, recognize the need. We need to recognize that our souls need to be restored. In Isaiah 53 and verse 6, the prophet Isaiah says these words. He says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own ways. Isaiah is telling us that we have followed those first humans, Adam and Eve, who decided that we know best. We'll go our own way. We'll do our own thing. And Isaiah is saying that we all do that same thing. We all commit that same sin. And it's not just that we commit that sin once in our life, but we, it seems that we actually continually have this obsession with our own way. Isn't that the truth? This repeated desire to do our own thing. And I guess it's this action, this going our own way, is what more than anything else causes our souls to need repair, causes our souls to need restoration. And the first step that we have to take today, the first step that you and I have to take is to recognize our need, to humbly come before God and to humble ourselves and to say, God, I need restoration. I need you to repair my soul. That's why I said at the beginning of this message, I believe today we're at a crossroads because it's going to require some humility on my part to say, God, I need you. I need you to restore my soul. I need you to lift me. I need you to heal me. I need you to set me free. A comedian and poet, a guy called Dick Gregory said this one time. He said, the most difficult thing to get people to do is to accept the obvious. How true is that? You know, I think in life, sometimes we go through life and we don't actually admit the need for our souls to need repair. Sometimes we've said it like this at Icon Church, you know, you cannot change what you will not confront. And unless we can accept today that we need our souls restoring, that process is over because it has to begin with humility. It has to begin with with you and I coming before God and saying, God, I want you to be the shepherd today. I want you to be the one who restores my soul. And I wonder if you're in Derby today, Icon Derby, are you ready? Are you ready to be humble and say, God, I need you? In Sheffield today, are you ready to be humble and say, God, I need you to restore my soul? Because this is a key moment in our future. You see, let me say this, God can't bless who you pretend to be. Let me say that again. God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can only bless the real you. You know, we have a slogan in church. I know we've got many slogans in church, but we've got a slogan. I love it. It's come as you are. Have you heard us say that in church? Come as you are. And we often say that as a a kind of welcoming thing that you don't need to put on any pretense to come to our church. You don't need to be all okay before you can come. You can just come as you are. You don't have to fix up your life and get everything perfect before you can come. You just can come. Come as you are. This is the invitation. But you know that phrase, come as you are, it's much more powerful than that. Coming as you are is actually a necessity. Because if you come as you're not, then God can't work with that. 
It can only work with us when we come as we are, when we humble ourselves before God. It's why we say that this is not about religion, but about relationship. Because religion is so often a pretense and God can't work with that. It's why Jesus struggled so much with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees of his day, because they were just living this pretense. But the common people who just came as they are, Jesus did incredible things in their life. And so coming as you are today and coming as I am today might mean that we have to come afraid. It might mean that we come to God as we are disappointed. It might mean we have to come in despair. It can mean that we could come today and say, God, I'm rejoicing, I'm celebrating. But the reality is, whatever state we find ourselves in, it's necessary for us to come as we are and for us to recognize our need, our need of restoration. You see, when the psalmist says, he restores my soul, it's showing that there's a liability for our souls to need repair that there's an inevitability, that we're going to go our own way, like Isaiah says, that we're going to wander and that we're going to drift and that we're going to need God to bring us back to the intent, the goal, the vision, the design that he has for our lives. The first thing we need to do today is to recognize our need and to humble ourselves and say, God, I need you today in my life. The next thing that Psalm 23 tells us we need to do for God to restore our souls is that we need to remember the promise. We need to recognize the need, first of all, but then secondly, we need to remember the promise. You see, our verse, verse 3, begins and clearly states that God restores our souls. That's the promise. You see, there's nothing that the enemy has taken from you. There's nothing that you have lost that God cannot restore. I love that, that there is nothing the enemy has taken from us. Nothing that we have lost that God cannot restore. There's a verse in the book of Joel, and I love it. Again, Joel is an Old Testament prophet. And in this verse, in this book, Joel is talking about how the enemies of God's people are going to come and they're going to take away the land and they're going to come and almost in judgment of the land. They're going to come and tear it apart and take its people. They're going to take its goods and destroy what's there. But Joel quickly begins to talk about how God will not let that be the end of the story. I'm glad today that God will never allow defeat to be the end of the story. Is anyone else glad about that today? Whatever has happened in your life, whatever's happened in my life, It's not the end of the story. Defeat is never the end of the story. This is true for you in Stocksbridge. It's true in Rotherham. It's true in Chesterfield. Someone asked Jeannie this week, actually, why do we say in Icon Church, the best is yet to come? It's a great question. It's a great question because some of us wonder, we can look back at our lives and we say, I've had a good life. I've had a great life. How, How could the best still be to come? in our life. Other people look at their lives and they say, my life's been full of trouble. You know, how can I say the best is yet to come? Well, because with God, whatever's happened, it's never the end of the story. There's a line in a song that we sing, isn't there, in church? I know how this story ends. And uh, why don't you put that in the comments? Why don't you put that in the chat today? I know how this story ends. Because with God, It's never the end of the story. See, that's what the book of Joel is all about. 
God says, whatever comes against you, whatever comes to oppose you, whatever comes to pull you down, whatever comes to destroy you and destroy your soul, that's not the end of the story. God is going to do something. So I've been talking about this verse, but I've not shared it. Here it is, Joel chapter two and verse 25. God says this, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You know, Joel is saying the enemy's coming. He's going to take the land. He's coming and he's going to destroy things. The armies of the enemy are coming and they're going to possess what doesn't belong to them. And Joel uses this picture of an uncontrollable, unrelenting swarm of locusts coming and destroying crops to describe what's going to happen. But God says here, although that may happen, God says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Although that may have happened, I'm going to repay you. In fact, in the New King James Version, God says, I will restore the years. There's that word again, restore. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. I wonder if this is a promise for somebody today. I believe it's a promise for somebody. You know, you feel like you've got some lost moment. Maybe you feel like you've got some lost days, some lost months. Maybe you've got some lost experiences, some lost relationships. Maybe you're saying, that's me, Paul, today. I've got some lost years, some wasted years. Well, here's a promise right here in the Bible for you. Joel 2, 25. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. I'm standing with you today, wherever you are. Chesterfield, Derby, Sheffield, Rotherham, Stocksbridge, wherever you are, online. And I'm believing this promise for your life today that God will restore the lost years and the years that the enemy has taken away. The second thing we've got to do is to remember the promise that God has made that he will restore our souls. That's not the only moment of the promise. Because the verse, that actually the psalm, Psalm 23, begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right there in that opening line, God is telling us He will be a shepherd and that He will lead us and guide us through in life, whether that's through victory or through trouble, that He'll be the shepherd who leads us. He'll be the shepherd who will guide us. And because He's leading us and because of His presence and because of His guiding I shall not want. You know, I'm getting excited right now as I'm sharing this message. I wonder if anybody else is getting excited at the thought of whatever we go through, God promises to be our shepherd to lead us and guide us. Let me remind us again at this moment, to restore means to bring back, to bring us back from a state or a situation that we shouldn't be in, to bring something back from a state of brokenness, from a state of repair, even to bring something back from a state of despair to being renewed, refreshed and revitalized. Does anybody here today want that? Does anybody here today want to be renewed, refreshed and revitalized? I certainly do. I'm up for that today. I'm always up for some renewal, some refreshing, some revitalization. We need to recognize our need and we need to remember that promise today and believe that promise We need to remember that God is our shepherd and he is for us and not against us. And because that he is with us, I shall not want. What an incredible declaration of faith that is. I shall not want. And the third thing we need to do, so we need to recognize our need. That's the first thing. Secondly, we need to remember the promise. But the third thing and the final thing is we need to rest 
in our restorer. You know, we recognize our need of restoration. We remember the promise and we rest in our restorer. I said at the beginning of this message that we need to be careful who we allow to restore our souls. And I can't emphasize that enough because you know, one of my sadnesses sometimes as a pastor is that I feel sometimes as, you know, I watch people and I watch their lives unfold. I can feel a sadness where I see people who've had opportunities to respond to God and people don't take them perhaps. Or sometimes they take advice and the leading of some people. And it's been a little bit, you know, like when Jesus said this, the blind leading the blind. And Jesus says, you know, when the blind lead the blind, everybody falls into a ditch, like everybody gets messed up. And that's a sadness sometimes when I see that happen. But that doesn't need to happen today. And we're not those people today. We can come to God today and rest in our restorer. We can be careful who we choose to allow to restore our souls. And Psalm 23 speaks right into it when it says, God will lead us to lie down. There it is. God will make us, our version that we read says, make us lie down in green pastures and he will lead us beside quiet waters. You see, God is going to restore your soul. And in order to do that, he's going to bring you to a place of rest. Maybe you can remember a verse we used a few weeks ago, Psalm 46 and verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 23 is telling us the same thing. God is bringing us to a place of rest. You know, when the Bible speaks of resting, it talks about this idea of Sabbath. And we know that Sabbath is one day of rest from work, a day of rest. So a day so that you and I physically, emotionally and spiritually can be refreshed. That's what Sabbath is all about. Sabbath exists so that we could work hard for six days, but then there would be this one day This one day that's set aside, that's separate, different. It's a day to be given to God, totally to God. That's what a Sabbath is. And in that day, we would first of all have a place of worship, that it would be given to God and we would worship God. But we'd also have a place of physical rest. And we'd also have a place of emotional and mental rest so that we could be restored and be refreshed. And to restore you and me, God has to bring us to this place of rest. This place where you and I can give God one day, totally, set it aside aside, without fear and without frustration and trust God. But in the New Testament, the idea of Sabbath gets expanded to not just be a moment of worship or a day of worship or a moment of physical rest or emotional rest, but it actually becomes a continual rest that we live in. Some people, because of this, they ignore the one day bit. And I don't think we should do that. We should realize that God has expanded it. He's not removed that one day. That one day for worship, for rest is so important. But you know, God has brought us to a place of continual rest. Continual rest from striving. A rest from trying to earn the approval of God. A rest from trying to fix our own lives. It's still the day of rest, as I've said, but it's expanded. We need to take this rest from striving. We need to take this rest from trying to earn God's approval. We need to take a rest from trying to fix everything ourselves. You know, you wouldn't put a Michelangelo painting 
in the hands of Cecilia Jimenez, an amateur restorer, would you? Well, if that's true, the only place that we can put our lives is in the hand of God. We can't even put them in our own hands. We've got to surrender our lives to God and let God work. We've got to rest in the restorer. See, I believe that God wants to give us a place of peace. That's this place of rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. So many people in our modern world talk about that the problem is that our world is so fast paced, but I don't believe that. I could be wrong, but I don't believe our problem is pace. Let me suggest this, that pace isn't our problem, peace is. Because some of you are feeling like this about your life. Well, I just can't slow down. Some of you think, you know, I just can't take a day off work for physical rest. I could never take a day off work for worship. Some of you feel that you can't take a break and you know why? It's because your problem is not pace, your problem is peace. To show you that he's in, God, in control, God will sometimes put you in a situation that you can't control and he will force you to rest. The psalmist says it here in 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of us feel though, you know, we've just got to do it. We've got to do it our way. We've got to do it the way that everybody else does it. We've just got to follow society and flow, go with the flow rather than following God's way. Our problem is peace. Because if we had peace, that God is our restorer, we would rest in him. It's having peace enough to be still and know that God is God. You see, that's why I love what Psalm 23 verse 3 says at the end. It starts off by saying, he refreshes my soul. But then it says, he guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, for his name's sake means that God is going to get the glory. It says that his reputation, he's putting his reputation on the line with you. It says that God will not fail you that God will not fail his part. We can come to a place of peace. We can come to a place of rest, to green pastures, to still waters, to a place of not striving in our life, to a place of not trying to fix everything ourselves and hand it over to God because he will take care of us for his namesake. For his namesake, he's put his reputation on the line. There's a... Uh, uh, a food chain, a chicken food chain in America called Chick-fil-A. And uh, by the way, if you've never had Chick-fil-A, it is just amazing. Just ask Sam Benji how amazing it is. But um, the owners are followers of Jesus. And you know, they won't open their stores, their main stores on Sunday. Some of the franchises I think might open, but they won't open their main stores on Sunday because they believe in rest, in Sabbath, and they've trusted God. They've laid down their fears and they've got peace. And you know what, They're, they've been blessed. Apparently their turnover on Saturdays is huge. You know, Sam and I, as I've already alluded to, have enjoyed it and we can tell you, we've seen it. The queues are continuous at Chick-fil-A. And it's not just because I don't think of the food and it, the Chick-fil-A sauce is so good. Uh, I wouldn't mind some for lunch, by the way. But anyway, if we could get it, but I wanna say it's because God is blessing their peace and their rest. You see, God puts his reputation on the line, but he doesn't just do that, he commits his presence to our journey. In verse four of Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. That's how God can restore us. That's why we can rest in the restorer today because even in the darkest time, he is with us. I love again the line of a song, not for a minute was I forsaken. And so God says this to us today, I will restore your soul. I love that. God is speaking to you right now, wherever you are, God, I will restore your soul. God is saying to us today, come as you are. You don't have to wait till you're fixed. You don't have to wait till you've got it all together. Come as you are. Maybe today you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. The invitation is just simply come, come as you are. And God says to us today, I will be with you. I don't know if anybody else is feeling encouraged, but I'm feeling encouraged today. I don't know if this has spoken to anybody specifically today. I know it will have today. And so my prayer is that we won't turn back. We won't just go back to the familiar if we're at this crossroads today, but we won't turn back. That we, we're going to say today, I'm not turning back, but I'm going to go forward. And my prayer for all of us is that we will let God restore our souls. We will allow God to be the art restorer who, restore us, who restores us. We'll recognize our need. We'll humbly come before him today and we'll lay it all down. And we'll tell God what we need. Are you telling God what you need today? Let's start there. God, I need you. I need you to restore my soul. And I pray that we would also remember the promise that we'll have a conviction and a confidence that our God will restore our souls. A confidence that God can even restore things that have been lost. I'm believing that for you and me today. It could be a relationship been lost. It could be any area of your life where you feel a real sense of loss today a real disappointment. Maybe you've lost confidence. Maybe something's happened to you in this season and you've just lost confidence. God can restore that to you today. Maybe it's hope. Maybe your hope has diminished. I believe God is restoring hope in some people's life today. Maybe it's been years and you just think there's so many wasted years. There's so much lost opportunity. Well, I'm telling you, God can restore the years just like he promised in Joel chapter 2. And my prayer is also that you and I will respond to the restorer and that we'll come to a place of rest, that you and I would have enough peace so that we can give God a day of rest. Yes, we can give God a day and say, we're going to worship, we're going to gather, we're going to be those people who lay that down. But also that we have this continual sense of rest from our frustrations and rest in our restorer. I said at the beginning that we're at a crossroads. We could go back to what's familiar or we could go back to worrying. We could go back to panic and stress and striving. We could go back to all of that or we can lay it down today. We can lay it at the feet of Jesus today and allow him, the great restorer, to restore our souls. Let me pray for us all. Lord, I pray today. I wanna thank you first of all as I pray that you promise to restore our souls. And I know that there are so many of us today, we need to humble ourselves and we need to say, God, would you please restore us? There's some of us today and <clears throat> we were walking with you, but something cut in, something, something, we stumbled. And we need to just come back today and humble ourselves and say, God, would you restore me? Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you restore my soul? I'm praying for each and every one of us today. There's people here, God, today, and there's things that we've lost, lost relationships, lost confidence, lost hope, lost years. 
so many things. I thank you today that you are the God who promises that you will restore the years. And I'm speaking that in faith over our lives today. I thank you. I thank you 40 days of freedom means for us that we are going to see you restore and return back to us some things that the enemy has tried to take away. I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And we receive it today as your people. We believe it and we respond in faith and say, Amen. Everybody said, Amen. I just want to take a moment. If you're watching today and you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes, to respond to Him. I want you to know that God loves you, has got an incredible plan for your life, and He wants to bring you back into a relationship with Him. That's what He wants to do. God's not asking you to join a religion. He's not asking you to join anything other than come into a relationship with Him. And maybe you're watching today and you say, Paul, I'm ready. That's me. I want to say yes. I want to respond. Right now on your screen, there's a button that says raise hand. Or if you're watching on YouTube, there's a link that says raise hand. I want you, I want you to press that button. I want you to do it right now. I want you to press that button. And you want you to say, Paul, that's me. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And as you press that button or you click that link, you're saying, include me in that prayer. But I also want to invite you, if you once walked with God, but you've drifted away and, and you're, you're in need of coming back today. Today's your day and you say, Paul, that's me. Include me in that prayer because I'm coming back today. I want you to press that button too. And I want you to click that link. And so if, if any person today and you're saying, include me in that prayer, I'm coming to God today. I'm opening my heart. I want that relationship. I want it for the first time or I want it restored. Would you do it right now? I'm going to wait for five seconds. Just going to give you five seconds to click the button or click that link. And then I'm going to pray. Come on, let's wait together. Five, four, three, two, one. It's not too late. Even as I pray, you can click that button or click that link. Lord, I thank you for every person who's responding to you today. This is a special moment, a holy moment in their life. And even now, it's not too late for them to open their heart and respond to you. And I'm asking as they come to you today that you will meet them. You'll meet them right where they, they are, wherever they're watching, in their homes, in their kitchen, in their living room, in their bedroom, wherever they're watching right now, they will sense your presence and power. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill them? Would you come and stand beside them? They're coming today and I'm including them in my prayer as they come back to you, that you will be at work in their life and that you would restore their souls. And I thank you for each and every one of them in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, Amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate? Why don't we put some clapping emojis and celebrate all those people who today will make a decision to follow Jesus in Icon Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this message. I can't wait for parts four and five in the next coming, coming weeks. But right now we're going to go back into a time of worship and we'll see you later. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.